Hello, my loves, and welcome back to the Raise Your Vibration podcast. I am so excited to be here with you today. My name is Shelby Rose, and I am an energetic and business guide helping you align, activate, and expand your energy to create the life and business you're wildly obsessed with. I believe that every single one of us has a path that lights us up, makes us excited to get up every single day, and brings massive service and impact to the world. In this podcast, we'll tune into our soul's true desires, take ownership for every single thing in our lives, and shift our vibration to embody the queen we came here to be. You deserve this. You get to have it. Let's go create it. I am having a really incredible moment right now. Like I'm sitting on my bed, so grateful. My puppy is laying next to me and the sun is shining. It was like 80 degrees in Denver yesterday. And how Minnesotan of I'm not, uh, how Minnesotan of me to be talking about the weather, right? But I'm going to because it's been amazing. And I don't know about you guys, but it just makes my heart so happy when it's sunny outside and I can walk outside and feel the warm air on my face and feel like I'm getting a little vitamin D. Mm, Incredible. And just, yes, all the gratitude. So want to give you guys a few quick announcements before we dive into this episode. Number one is the reviewer who who's winning the prize. I've been talking about this since the podcast has started and thank you all for the amazing reviews. You do not know how much those mean to me. Like when I see those reviews, my heart just lights up and I'm so grateful that I can be serving you guys through this podcast and that you're finding the episodes helpful and the content to be be what you need. And so Miss Savannah Morgan, you were the random review that was left. And if you want to shoot me a DM on Instagram, I will get you your little prize. Um, Shoot me your address so I can send that out to you. So she's getting a bunch of personal development books that I love and some nutrition supplements that I love, all the goodies. Um, The next thing I want to announce, and you've been hearing me talk about it probably, but my gut reset is open. The cart is open until the 15th. So I'm so excited to be serving you guys with this with this course. I mean, you guys know I struggled with gut health issues, everything from all the embarrassing digestive symptoms, having gas, bloating, and diarrhea, to malabsorbing nutrients, to nutrient and seeing the nutrient deficiencies, to you know, progressing to brain fog and acne and anxiety and all of the things really even some joint pain and I'm I'm excited to help you guys start on your healing journey because I know how much it sucks I literally spent years not even just months years throwing supplements at my gut trying different diets trying to eat low sugar low carb feeling really low energy to falling asleep at my desk, like just everything happened. Like I I didn't know where to start and I was really lost and confused. And so what I found through a bunch of functional medicine conferences I went to is that there's a strategy behind healing your gut, just throwing probiotics at it. If we've got an overgrowth of bad bacteria in the wrong places, or we have, you know, some pathogens in there, or we just have 
the wrong bacteria I mentioned in the wrong places, but if you have bacteria in your small intestine and you're throwing probiotics at it, even if there's healthy bacteria there, they're not supposed to be there. So they cause symptoms and wear and tear and damage. So first step of the reset is I take you through, I give you all the meal plans, all the recipes, all the snack ideas for the first month where we do an elimination diet. We pair it with some certain herbal supplements that really help decrease the unhealthy bacteria in the gut. And then after we do that first initial phase, we start to repair the damage that's been done. Once you get the pathogens out there, we really start to heal. And and we can throw glutamine at our gut and try to heal that way. But if we're not getting what's actually causing the damage, we're going to see the symptoms come back in the first place. That's why we do this elimination. And that's why you have to be ready for the reset to actually dive in, to commit to doing the um, elimination and, and getting the bacteria out. And then after that, phase, we add in, you know, after we repaired, we'll add in sometimes for some people who are experiencing nutrient deficiencies, we'll add in certain supplements that help you digest your food properly and will actually help your body start to produce those digestive enzymes naturally. But after that, we'll add in you know, probiotics, healing foods, certain nutrients that are going to help you maintain this gut reset long-term. And that's my goal for you is that you can have long-term health. And then the next, I guess that was, maybe that was my last announcement. That was my last announcement. I just did them both. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is how amazing this, this interview was. Um, Brittany Noel is, she's got such good energy guys. Like I'm excited for you guys to hear this episode, but really to feel Brittany's energy as well. She is a mom. She is a boutique owner in Portland. Her and her husband have a health health and wellness company as well. She's doing all the things, but on top of that, she had this calling to work with women in healing their relationship with their sexuality, turning the, the fire back on in the bedroom and releasing the guilt and shame around sex, which I think is so important. I know it's something I've struggled with being raised Catholic and not really understanding like what, you know, what sex I just thought sex was bad because that's what they, I I got drilled into my head for my, uh, when did I go to Catholic school for like eight years? I don't even know, six years, all the years, six years probably. But yeah, so there's just a lot of confusion coming into my adulthood and not really understanding this relationship with, with my sexuality. And so I'm excited for you to hear that. Um, there's also a little bonus content at the end. Brittany and I continued our conversation off air and there were so many good nuggets in there. I decided to keep it on. Now I will share, I shared some stuff I have not gone public with yet and some stuff that's resurfaced for me that I had buried so far in my subconscious, I didn't actually remember it. And so we dive into some of that and I just want you guys to know I am being super vulnerable here and sharing this because I think the content really is going to help some of you as well. So without further ado, oh, one last thing. We also talk about um, yoni eggs and jade eggs and how healing they are. So I have linked that in the show notes because Brittany had one that she really thought was helpful and I get confused when I'm shopping for things. So that is in the show notes as well, as well as the gut course info. Um, I don't think I mentioned that, but anyways, I'm rambling. I'm excited for you to dig into this episode and hear all the details. So without further ado, let's hear what Miss Brittany Noel has to say. 
All right. Welcome, Brittany. I am so excited to have you here, and I'm sure the listeners are excited for this juicy episode as well. (laughs) Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, what got you started on the journey you're on today, and all that good stuff. Well, thank you. And hi, um, I am a 32-year-old mama to three kiddos and a revolving door to foster babies. And um, my husband and I own our own nutritionist and health business. And then I also own a boutique here in Portland. And so we're just busy all the time. But that's the life and the vibration that we find joy in. And maybe four years ago, I started noticing that I, I enjoyed all these aspects of my life, but I really felt disconnected to myself. And I felt disconnected from my body. And I just, I had kind of this, I feel like there should be more kind of a feeling just pushing me forward. And so I started leaning in with my husband about, well, you know, I love him more than anything. He's my favorite person in the world. But I started realizing desire was missing. And then you just kind of fall into the shame spiral of, do I not love him? Is something wrong with me? Um, a lot of people that I would talk to said things like, are you kidding me? You guys are really busy or, you know, you have all these babies and you're tired. And I just never accepted that as an excuse because at the end of the day, I still knew like, I really love him. I used to really love sex. I just, I felt like I could go the rest of my life and never be sexually stimulated again and be perfectly content. And that that feeling and that knowing made me realize, oh, nope, nope. Like this is something I need to dig into. Like, <laughs> this is I, an issue. <laughs> I might feel that way, but I don't want to feel that way. And I don't have to feel that way. And so um, the search for my feminine and my, my desire and um, pairing that with my God-given talent to be unfiltered and inappropriate, like I put it all together and I was like, I think there's something here. Like, <laughs> And so now this is what I do. And I talk to strangers about sex and positions and toys and, you know, grace and just kind of going easy on themselves and how to reconnect so that they can reconnect with their husbands and reconnect with the creative flow that kind of comes out of our girly bits. Um, And it pours over into our mothering and our business owner, you know, positions in life and everything else. So it's all kind of jumbled together. Absolutely. It's like a part of our, our continuous health, you know, like there's all these pieces of the puzzle and that's just one big one. Right. I love that. Um, one thing that really drew me to you is that you were raised, you know, Christian family and you're, you also still, that's a big part of your life. If I'm correct. Um, And, and I think I love, I love that you talk about shame and guilt because I, I felt growing up that there was a lot of shame or that, you know, guilt or that it's bad or it's dirty or, you know, that was, that, that was what I had to work through as I worked through my own sexuality. And so what can you, what can you talk, talk about for someone who is experiencing their own shame and guilt when it comes to the, the sexuality or, you know, really fully stepping into being present in the moment or in, embracing what, what 
their desires are without having that guilt and shame. Can you speak on that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I was raised Christian um, by a single mom who was raised very, um, you could call it like Victorian middle class. And so it was, think about the Victorian era where you cover up from ankle to neck kind of a thing. And um, I remember being raised and it was very, like even in the shower, you don't touch yourself. You cup water and you like throw it on your body. You don't physically clean and like touch uh, because it was, it was a dirty thing. And that never set well with me at a young age. And at a young age, I was the horniest little kid. Like I'm not, <laughs> I humped all my stuff to animals. <laughs> I was really open with all of my girlfriends. And I feel like the majority of my girlfriends were kind of there with me. And we'd have these yeah. little dress up chats about, Hey, did you know if you put your fist like this and do that? Like, it feels great. And we didn't have shame attached yet. So that kind of mm. came later. And when it did start coming, I would masturbate and then I would cry and I would ask God for forgiveness, literally laying in my bed saying, I promise I won't do it again. Oh and then gosh. at a young age, I tried to understand, well, why do I have this feeling and this urge to do this? And I tried excusing it like, well, maybe I have to pee. So I remember going pee and then getting back in bed and thinking, nope, still want to do it. Like, I just, there was no open conversation in my home and there was no open conversation in the church about it. It was just very, you know, your body is God's, it's not yours. And it's for you to protect and give away to a man someday, still not yours. And just kind of growing up and wanting to know myself. Um, now I see it as when I did my healing and it took years, it took tears. I got really angry at the church because I felt like these people that I loved and I trusted and I believed them to lead me and guide me. I felt like they kind of led me astray and kind of separated me from God because I mean, my, my feminine sexuality is a part of who God is and it's exactly who and how and what God created. And so kind of coming back to terms with that and seeing what is God's heart, what is God's characteristics, not the patriarchy, the things that I've been taught from these guys and these opinions and um, even researching and kind of going back to, well, this is, this is a rule and podcasters can't see my little fingers, but <laughs> quotations. Rule: <laughs> Don't don't do this, and this is why. But when you kind of look back um, in theology, we learn about you know these stories in the Bible and how it kind of pertained to that day and how it pertains to now. But we don't do that with the sexual side of God and our bodies and the Bible. So rules back then don't really apply to now. And things have been changed along the way. So like a really great example is the word virgin. If I were to sit there and say, I was a virgin until I was married, all of a sudden I'm on this pedestal. People respect me. They think that's really great and wonderful. And they'll judge me accordingly. Like, oh, she's a good girl. She's a clean girl. She's, um, you know, in alignment with her faith. But the fact that virgin in biblical times didn't mean your chastity. It wasn't a chaste thing. It actually meant a free woman. So like a single lady <laughs> was a virgin. So, I mean, even if you look at it as the Virgin Mary, 
she was a, she was unmarried. It had nothing to do with her sexuality. That was changed by the Romans when they kind of intervened and took over the Bible and the transcriptions. Hmm. And so like sitting there and being like, ah, I put <laughs> so much pressure on myself to be a virgin. But even now I'm still a free woman because my husband does not own me and I'm a free thinker. Biblically, I'm a virgin. And there's these beautiful ceremonies that women do like monthly in the East. And they'll like go into an ocean or go into the waters, kind of like a baptism, but to them, it's reclaiming their virginity. And but again, in our mind, we think like, oh, you can't do that once it's gone. It's not a sex thing. Mm. It's, it's a reconnecting and being one and being your own woman, biblically. Like that's actually what it means. And so sitting and kind of peeling back all these layers, I started to see God's not anti-sex and God is not anti-my body or anti-curiosity or I mean, anti-naughtiness, like the things that I feel the desires and the passions, they're beautiful flows of energy that kind of come from God. And that's why I think sex, sex is such a spiritual thing and such a great, amazing connection. And it's brought me closer in my faith and I mean, closer in my marriage and everything. And so it's just kind of asking questions about why do I feel this shame? Um, why am I uncomfortable with nudity and figuring out, is it, is it really a God thing? Like if I sat and prayed about this or meditated on this, do I feel convicted that God is saying, Shelby, stop getting naked. (laughs) (laughs) He'd be like, hell no, get naked. (laughs) But like, is this more of a, you know, you grew up in a church and a family that said, Shelby, that is bad. That is inappropriate. That makes you a bad girl. And your whole thing in life is be a good girl. Well, what is a good girl? Like literally Mm -hmm. I'm in one of those question everything. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I love that. Oh, like, shoot, I lost it. Something came up as you were talking. (laughs) And then you said, good girl. I was like, oh yeah, that ring a bell. (laughs) Yeah. Like my whole life wanting to be good. Um, I, I think what I wanted to ask is like getting comfortable with nakedness, right? Like, why are we so uncomfortable with it? Like, where does that come from? And then how do we start to shift that? Right? Like when we realize, because that's a big part, I think what, at least what I struggle with, I'm going to talk about myself today. So we're going to have a great conversation. I think what I first struggled with, with my own sexuality for a long time is like, I felt so uncomfortable being seen naked that that's all I could focus on when I was with a partner, when I was with someone romantically, I was like, oh my God, oh, this came, it came back. So I'm going to say it now. I'm going to say all at once. (laughs) Uh, I was just going to say like, I think like, this is what I've come to terms with. So for anyone listening to who's really struggling with that, like the shame and the guilt and whatever else comes with it is like, we came here, I believe we're in a human form to experience the human body right like we don't get to do that once we become a spirit we don't get to experience pleasure we don't get to experience what it is to be human and so I believe like we're here to experience pleasure and whatever that pleasure means to you whether it's like playing with my dog sage or enjoying an orgasm like 
it's all what we're we're meant to do here, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Well, and that, I mean, pleasure, like you said, it's, I think when people think pleasure, they kind of think sex, but mm-hmm. pleasure is just one aspect of pleasure. And yeah. Being able to slow down and be mindful and like right now I'm drinking my tea. I'm not going to chug my tea. I'm going to enjoy it because I take pleasure in my tea. I love how it feels when it goes down my throat. I love the warmth in my belly. I love mm. kind of taking in like the different flavors and the senses and the smells. Like I take pleasure in this. And mm. I just think that we move so quick nowadays that we don't pay attention to the things that actually we we do take pleasure in because those are the things that raise our energy. Mm. And so if you think, if you pay attention to nothing except for when do I feel more energized? When do I feel more drained? You're going to start noticing like, oh my God, I feel way more energized when I'm living in joy and doing things that I find pleasure in. And like for me, that's helping women and helping relationships and talking about sex more so than any of my other jobs. Like my my boutique, I love it. It's great. I do all the stuff. I'm kind of over it. I'm more... Like, oh, I just want to get to know the women who come in because I'm sitting there. I'm like, you just had a baby. How are you taking care of that pelvic floor? Like, how is it? (laughs) You know, at what point in time are you going to start getting to know your new body? Because you Mm -hmm. have to start all over. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a humongous change after you have a baby. And talking about being naked, my God, like, um, I'm working with a lady right now who's in her 50s. And we've been working together for two years. And the first thing that I was kind of talking, like peeling back all these things and it got to, Hey, when you get out of the shower, I'm just going to kind of assume you grab the towel, you put it on your head, you grab the other towel, you throw it over your body before you even dry off and you run past the mirror. And she looked at me and she's like, how do you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's, you can just see it on them that there is this shame and this disconnect with their own body and so I just kind of said let's work on this it's a really great place to start you know when you get out of the shower dry off slowly you don't have to look but dry off slowly and be mindful of I'm drying off my arms and every time a thought comes in like oh it's so flabby or oh it's so wrinkly or oh look at all my you know freckles or whatever Feel it and just dismiss it and just think, nope, I'm just drying off my arms. Like, just kind of stay focused. I'm drying off my legs. And it's a slow process. And it moved on to when you start getting ready, I want you to be okay. Even if it's like you flash yourself in the mirror (laughs) while you readjust your towel. Mm -hmm. Do that for a few days until you get to the point of, I can put my towel around my waist. And I can learn to get reconnected with this top half here. Mm. Because if we don't see our own bodies... When we see them, they look weird. If you think about how often you see other women's bodies in bikinis or naked or just like in these little teeny tiny dresses, our brain sees it and thinks like, oh, that's a normal female figure. And then when you don't see your own body, you have to get used to it. It's kind of like when you don't hear your voice, but you hear it on you know, a podcast or a voicemail and you're like, whoa, I kind of sound weird. <laughs> you're familiar with it. Yeah. And, I mean, I going back further, had a girlfriend who refused to take off her makeup in front of her now husband and said, you know, 
if she ever washed her face at night, lights off in bed. She never wanted him to see her without her makeup on because she thought she looked weird without it because every day her reflection was all of the contouring and all of the bronzer and all of the, you know, everything. So when she took it off, she didn't recognize her own face. So there's this disconnect. Mm -hmm. So the more we can slowly get to know our own bodies and know them as they are, it's not that big of a deal when we see them naked and you're not going to be laying in bed thinking, Oh God, where'd that little roll come from? Because you'd be like, hee hee, I see that roll every day in the shower, when I get dressed, when I put lotion on my body and we become comfortable with our body. That's why I think like nudist colonies, a lot of them are bigger or older and they just don't care because to them that's normal. They're comfortable with it. And there's a beautiful way and process to slowly get back to that understanding. There's a lot of pain and anger because when you disconnect from your own physical body that much, um, it's going to pour over into everything like your sexuality, especially, and you start having this resentment towards yourself and an anger and I, you know, my body failed me. It let me down. And it's just, there's so much healing to be done there. And it's so possible. And that's like one of my favorite things to be able to do. Get people naked. <laughs> Get people naked. Get naked. Oh, I love that. And like how, and, and this just is like so in alignment with the podcast is like, how many ways do we disconnect with our body? Right? Like, it's like you mentioned, you know, from not noticing pleasure, whether it be with our food or our drinks or our own sexuality, or just noticing ourselves in the mirror and, accepting what's there and loving what's there and it's like it's so easy for us to disconnect based on what we're seeing in the external world yes oh, I love that oh what else did I want to make sure I asked you for myself <laughs> okay I, I I don't know if you work with a lot of single people but I'm going to ask one for the fellow single ladies because this is my question I have or you know even I think this can happen in in relationship too is like you're with someone and you just don't feel like there's that spark and maybe it ebbs and flows in 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 the I've never been married so I don't know right (laughs) but like what like when there's not a spark there romantically but you really enjoy this person's company right like or or maybe it's that you the spark went away with a, a, a person that you're with. Like, are there ways to get through that? Have you worked with people on getting through that? Or is it that either is either a spark there or not? And I know that's like a loaded question. It's going to be a different answer from everyone you ask, but how do you work through that when it's, and when the spark's not there? So do you mean like the spark was never there or it was there and it kind of, you know, fizzled? I mean, like, I've had some friends who are in relationships, but I have a friend who's in a relationship right now, and she's like, romantically, like, I love him, he's like my best friend, but I just like the bedroom, not as much. Right, so it fizzled. Okay, yes, absolutely, and that's, that's everybody, that's everybody all the time, no matter who they are, like, me and my husband, even last night, had the most fun, amazing sex, and if you know, me last night sat down with me when I was 28, 28 year old me would have been like, Oh no, sex is horrible. It's, it's pressure. And it's, you know, there's, I literally, I had no desire at all. I remember laying in bed one night, 
um, after our second baby was born and looking at him and I said, I know this sounds mean and this might hurt your feelings, but I just need you to kind of know where I'm at. I love you with everything. My rational brain loves you with everything, but I feel so sexually distant from you. I don't want you to touch me right now because I feel a lot of pressure and disconnect. Mm. I was like, I just don't see you sexually at all. And that's probably the most hurtful thing I've ever said to anybody ever. But like, I felt like he needed to know because he'd roll over and cuddle me and I took it as, oh God, he wants sex. And like, I'd shut down and go somewhere dark. And I now know, yay, postpartum. But uh, (laughs) so yes, sparks fizzle. And I think that what that is, is so think about your sex brain as you have all day, every day ons and offs and your brain is sitting there to protect you. So if your aroused state is constantly neutral, it's not turned off, but it's not necessarily turned on, which is, again, it's a good thing. It's for your protection so that when you're, you know, going to work, your brain is like, hey, now's not a good time. Like, yes, you just saw a good looking person, but we're going to keep our offs turned on right now so that you don't see that guy and then think, oh, I want to chase him and jump him. Like, it's <laughs> prepared to protect you. I have seen that happen though. <laughs> of course. It happens to the best of them. But, and everyone has these ons and offs um, and they change all the time. So they change by age, they change by what's going on in your life. It's all contextual. And so if you're a friend who's in the relationship, let's say right now she really loves this guy, but the arousal, the desire, it's just not there. She needs to kind of take a step back and think, well, I've got a lot of my, my offs engaged and not a lot of my ons engaged. And then she can kind of figure out why. And if you sit there and you think, well, you know, she's really focused on school. She's really focused on, you know, a friend of hers who's going through a hard time. She's really focused on moving right now. Like there can be a lot of things where her brain is saying, hey, we're going to take up all this space right now because this is really important. Sex isn't necessarily as important. So we're just going to make sure that arousal is turned off right now. And again, it's to protect her, to keep her focused on what needs to be. But what she can do is acknowledge that and then choose, oh, I'm going to stimulate my ons a little bit more and I'm going to lay off the stimulation on my offs. And the thing is, we're the ones in control of that, which is such an amazing thing to know. Like, it's not like, oh, great, all of my offs are stimulated. There's nothing I can do. Hell no. You're the little controller of this little, you know, two-way switch system. And so if she can figure out, well, what are my ons? then she can start putting energy into stimulating them and reconnecting with her boyfriend. She doesn't have to just say, oh, nope, the spark's gone. See you later, because it's going to happen with the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. And God forbid a guy think that way and be like, spark's gone, peace out, and he leaves her. Like, you know, it's just you figure out what are your ons. Let's stimulate those. What are my offs? Let's lay the stimulation off on those a little bit and – know you're in control of it, which is really, really great. It's not, I remember when I, three years ago, it's funny, we move houses a lot. And so I can picture the bedroom. So I know how many years ago, (laughs) So three years ago, um, 
I was having a really hard time spectating during sex, which is where you basically watch yourself as a third person. So I'm having sex, but I'm thinking, why am I not doing this? Or why am I reacting that way? Or why am I not reacting this way? And so I'm paying more attention as if I'm a character in a movie instead of actually feeling and being present in any of it. Mm. And I kept trying to get out of it. So then I'd get mad at myself during sex, like, ah, why can't I just focus, focus? Okay, he's going down on me. What does his beard feel like? And then I'd be like, well, this is stupid because I don't feel anything. And I, it would just spiral. It was a really, really rough spiral. And I started reaching out to friends and they all told me the same shit. Take a, take a joint or, and pot's legal in Oregon. So go smoke a joint, Brittany, or go get a glass of wine or, you know, take a bubble bath before. And I'm sitting there thinking none of that sounds appealing to me. Like I don't find pleasure in those, which would lead me to mm-hmm. sex. And so I knew that none of those would stimulate my ons. If anything, they would stimulate more of my offs. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So like, hey, go take a bubble bath before sex. All my offs are going to get stimulated because in my mind, my brain is saying a bubble bath is soothing and relaxing and that's me time, which is the opposite of that sexy with him time. Mm -hmm. And so I just have to pay attention like, well, it might be an on to Shelby, but it's an off to Brittany, Mm -hmm. which is the beautiful thing. We have the same system. They just have different responses, which is totally fine and normal and ever evolving. Like last night, we had a bubble bath, which did turn into great sex. But if we went in with the intention of we're going to take a bath to then do it, Mm. I would have been like, nope, all my offs would be stimulated. And I'd be sitting there thinking, no, this is my relaxation time. I'm going to be cold and wet. Cold and wet to me doesn't mean sexy. (laughs) Like, dry off and put on really cozy sweats. Yes. (laughs) And so it's just the joy that when you're open to going with the flow and kind of paying attention to, oh, well, my on's kind of stimulated a little bit more. And you accept the fact that your arousal lives in that neutral space. You're not necessarily turned off. You're just not necessarily turned on. So you have to be able and willing to allow yourself to figure out how can I get turned on? And do I like that one thing? And then feel it out, go down that road. If it works, fantastic. If not, no judgment on yourself. Oh my gosh, so many things came up while you were talking. But let's rewind to the, because I think kind of what you were mentioning about not being in the mood for a long period of time or having so much that you're oh, or like other things that you're focused on, right? That make you not even want to think about sex. And so I think I, this just brings me back to like college. I went four years without it and I was like, no, like don't want it. Like had no desires, like didn't really want to be with anyone. Like, and I was just so focused, but I was also under a high amount of stress. And when you're talking about like your mind, say like your safety, right? Like that it's not like physiologically, biologically, we weren't wired to have children under high stress states like we that was protective and so you think about how many people are living life stressed out and have all these external stressors and then they try to go to the bedroom and check off that next thing on their checklist and it's almost it's adding to the stress because now you're stressing out because you're not able to have the pleasure or whatever it may and maybe and maybe it goes the other way but I think for a lot of females like 
that's the state we go into. So it's maybe it's not even looking at what the, you know, what the issue in the bedroom is. Maybe it's looking at the stuff outside of the bedroom that's actually causing the issue. Yeah. Oh, so let's say someone is really struggling. Cause I think, have you, I don't know if you've heard of like the sex types by Ga- Jaya, Jaya, Gaia, Jaya. On Gaia, like G-A-I-A? No, I don't know her name. There's, there's different sex types. Anyways, I've taken this quiz. I'm an energetic, which essentially means like if the energy is off, I can't focus. So for those people who have like little distractions or things that'll like pop into their head or they're having a really hard time getting present in the moment, how do you start to work that? You mentioned like you've reached out to your friends and they all gave you different advice. How did you start to bridge that gap of like, okay, like I know I want to be present, but I'm clearly not present right now. How did you get to a place where you could really just be there and enjoy and feel? I stopped crying. Hmm. Simply. I stopped trying and then it's, I'll even one up that I told my husband, I don't want sex for a month. I want 30 days, no sex, no obligation, no expectation. I want to have this very clear, like if it happens, it's going to happen because I'm going to engage it with you. But that's it. Like if it happens, great. If I start something and then I'm kind of a dick, I'm like, meh, change my mind. Like I need you to be okay with that because I needed to know I was in control of this and that I could, I had this space. I had to give myself space to figure it out. And, um, so with like sex types, so most people have, well, desire types. There is, um, a responsive desire, which a lot of the time is guys, it's also a good amount of girls, okay? Um, and what that means is if my husband walked in the door right now and all the kids are here and we promised that we're going to take him out to an arcade and go play and he's got his work in his hand, he just had a consultation with a new client, that's a lot of stuff. But if I said, meet me upstairs, he'd be hard in two seconds. I <laughs> anything. Yes. Nothing. So that, like, that's spontaneous desire literally nothing had to be done. It just kicks in like that. Mm. The vast majority of women are responsive desire. Okay. So they're not spontaneous. If he came up to me and I just walked in the door from a long day and I have all these new brands and inventory stuff in my head. And you know, my son has a birthday party. I'm thinking all this. And he looked at me and said, meet me upstairs in two seconds. I would be like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) And so Right there, it's just this really obvious and almost humorous example of spontaneous desire. I am not spontaneous desire. Do I love spontaneity? Absolutely. I'm a Sagittarian. Um, I'll do the naughty stuff at a restaurant and be like, meet me in the bathroom. But it to me, it's responsive. I'm responding to the context. I'm responding to, I feel sexy on this date night. This is a really dim lit restaurant. This would be fun. And I'm taking in all of that context and I'm responding sexually. He's responding spontaneously because if I say, let's do it, he's ready to go. I don't have to do anything. He doesn't care about the context of anything. And so that was another big thing when I realized like, oh, okay. And it's funny (laughs) to really drive this home. What had happened a few months ago is we went upstairs, we got in bed. Um, There was nothing sexy about the day. It was just a day. And we get in bed and 
I have worked with him getting comfortable with his naked body, which has been so fun to see. So he started sleeping naked every few days and we're in bed he gets naked, he gets in and he just kind of laughs and I go, what? And he's like, well, I want to roll over and, you know, hold you or scratch your back, but I'm going to poke you. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> he laughed and he goes, no, I'm not really like, I don't want sex. I just, I don't know why I just got hard. And I was like, huh. And me being me, I'm like, let's try to figure it out. Like, well, do you want sex? Obviously. Yes. But that wasn't his intention. And what we realized was he, <laughs> oh, it's so fun. You can go way back to when you were a child, the things that you responded to sexually and the things that formed what sex is. So to him, we now understand as a boy, nakedness meant sex. I, it just did. Those were the two, they go hand in hand. When he took his pants off, he's having sex, like that or a shower. But he knows in his adult brain, he's not getting in the shower. So his primal sexual brain is saying, oh, your pants are off. We're having sex. And it responds for him. Mm. Where to me, getting in bed, whether I'm naked or not, means I'm going to bed. (laughs) (laughs) We had these two very different ways that our sexual brains were formed And so I took it as, this isn't him pressuring me. This isn't him saying, hey, I'm hard. I have an expectation now. And it's wonderful because he knows that. So he can communicate like, oh, I have a boner, but I'm not actually in the mood. I'm not sure why this is here. Mm -hmm. And so we figured it out. And ever since then, he's started to rewire his brain that pants off doesn't mean dance off time. Like it just, it could mean bed and that's okay. Um, and so, I mean, just, there's so many different ways of understanding why you respond the way you respond sexually. And it usually has to do with the fact that these were the sexual triggers you were raised around where, um, Emily Nagowski in her book, come as you are talks about a research lab and they took a lemon or like lemon juice and they put it on a fertile lady mouse And then they put a boy next to it. So he would smell the lemon and he would know she was fertile. And so he would go to get on her, but they would take him away. And they did this for a few weeks. Or no, I'm sorry. I said that wrong. The lemon mouse was not like the horny one, (laughs) the one in heat. Okay. So so there's two, two baby or two girl mice. One's fertile, one's not fertile. And so they put him next to the one that's fertile. He smells it. He kind of responds. They put him next to the one that has the lemon juice. He smells the lemon juice, doesn't respond, but they allow that mouse to have sex with the lemon mouse, but never with the fertile mouse. So what they did when they took all the lemon scents away and the mouse had sex with both, you would think that he would go for the fertile smelling, I mean, the fertile female mouse. He did. But what had happened is the majority of his ejaculation went into the not fertile mouse because it smelled like lemon because it related the scent of lemon with sex because he smelled sex and had sex or smelled lemon, had sex where he smelled the fertility, got excited, but never actually had to have sex. So they taught him what sex meant. So all of his ejaculations go into the unfertile lemon scented mouse and not the actual fertile one. Wow. So there's been all these different things showing us like my husband took his pants off, his body responded. He thought this means sex. And I'm sitting there saying, no, it doesn't. The bed means bed. (laughs) Like, and 
again, like understanding that and taking the pressure away, it really helps to reconnect to yourself and what you want and why you're moving that way and why you are getting frustrated and why you feel no desire and why all of your offs are offs. And, you know, I, I, the last two weeks, all three of my kids' birthdays were here. I had to go to the beach to see my mother. Then we took the kids to Washington for two nights at a resort. And then I was home, slammed at work, and then spent two nights in LA um, at the kids' fashion market. Just got home. I'm playing catch up. And when I got home, I'm sitting there thinking, Aaron's going to want sex. He hasn't seen me in a few nights. I don't want sex because I have all this on my mind, like stress, 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 stress. And when I got home, I sat there and I had to kind of remind myself like, sex is fun. Sex feels good. Why would I not want sex? And I can even use that as a de-stress instead of thinking it's something I have to do or I should do Hmm. because I don't have to. And that's one of the beautiful things I learned in those 30 days when I said, I don't want anything. I needed to know this isn't something I have to do. It's not even something I should do. There's no right way that I should respond. Um, and knowing that that was kind of my choice and off the table, it allowed me to make sex whatever I wanted it to be. If I want to use it to de-stress, that's a little bit better than thinking, well, shoot, I should have sex with him. And that's adding to my stress. Mm-hmm. I love that. And then the piece about expectations too, because I think at least as a female, sometimes if we are a little bit more responsive, right? And there's that that expectation that it has to be every time that they ask for it or whatever it may be. Or, you know, going back to the religious thing, you, you mentioned like we give ourselves to a man. Like what kind of programming is that, right? Where it's putting a huge expectation on and if you're, which likely the people listening to this podcast are, the free spirited, like want to do what you want when you want and then you put an expectation on me or you put something on top of it, it like makes that desire less. And so it's, you know, I'm sure maybe communication or what would you say, like how do you, if you have a partner that you're with, how do you start to work through releasing expectations of what it's supposed to look like or how it's supposed to feel or that, you know, we both need to come every time or whatever it means. Like, how do you start to communicate that with your partner? If you're struggling with that feeling like there's an expectation or a need or a should there. Yeah. Um, Religiously, it sucked so bad because sitting in church on Sundays and certain sermons we'd be going over, there'd be things saying, you know, the temptress this and the temptress that and saying things like, you know, we don't want our sisters to make us stumble. And every time I hear things like that, I would get so angry and think, Hey bro, why don't you step up and take responsibility because I'm not making you stumble. Mm. And I like, I never wear a bra anymore. Um, I had implants from 18 until last year and those babies did not move through all three pregnancies. They never moved. So I never needed a bra. And now that I removed my implants a year ago, I don't have anything to worry about. So I still don't wear a bra, (laughs) but there was this huge shame about, Oh my God, but what if I'm wearing a thinner shirt and they can like see the outline of my nipple? I don't want to cause him to stumble. And 
I allowing that to kind of come in and sit there and be like, well, if it does make him stumble, that's on him, not me. You know, I'm going to relinquish that right there. Like that's on him, not me. And if my nipples are a life lesson for him, good job, boobs. Like they, they <laughs> this guy grow. And if it was a difficult experience and growth for him, unfortunate, but you know, again, that's not on me. No. So religion was really, really hard with the expectations of mm. <laughs> if if a guy cheats, it's the woman's fault. And I've heard a lot of, well, he cheated. And the response is, well, were you guys having sex? How was your sex life? That oh. has nothing to oh. do with it. Oh, hell no. Right? Thank you. It has nothing to do with it. I mean, because then you look at a woman, if she's pregnant and she doesn't want sex for nine months because she's sick and uncomfortable, does that give her husband the right to stumble because she's not doing her, here's my finger quotes, wifely duties? (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's such BS. And so I had to have that open conversation with my husband. And I think that that's just really the answer to your question is you have to start this open conversation and looking at sex as it's a sensitive topic for guys and girls, there's going to be shame. There's going to be confusion, but I think guys kind of have been, (laughs) dare I say like dicked around a lot because they think all girls are this way. And if they're wet, that means I'm doing something right And if they, you know, react this way, then whatever. And most of that is wrong, but we weren't taught pleasure in school. We were taught guys get boners and ejaculate. And we were taught girls have periods and have unwanted pregnancies. Yay to be a guy, shitty to be a girl. Mm. There's this huge gray space in between where it's kind of like, well, let's learn about the clitoris. Let's learn about if she's wet. That does not mean she's enjoying this. Her body might be responding, but there's no sexual pleasure. She might be as dry as a desert, but she's screaming in ecstasy. This is amazing. Just grab some lube and help her out and be on your way. Like, we're not taught any of that. We're not taught why my husband got a boner when he got into bed, but we both knew sex is not the end result here. Mm-hmm. And so starting the conversation with your partner on your first date, because that's what I would do, is having this open conversation of like, hey, when you think sex, what is the goal? And if the answer is to have an orgasm, that's kind of a shitty goal because that's kind of an expectation. So if you miss the mark, you didn't do good. Hmm. And there's even the thought of, I might not do well in this. There's all that pressure. Yeah. Change the goal. If there's nothing to fail at, it's going to be this open, free, enjoyable experience, no matter what. So the real goal of sex should be just pleasure. Is it emotional pleasure? Is it a physical pleasure? Like, and then make sure you're doing the things to get there. So if I'm not in the mood per se, I'm in my neutral space and I start thinking like, you know what? I'm neutral. I kind of want to see, can we get too excited to get to arousal to have an orgasm? That would be fun. Let's see. Then I can sit there and say like, hey, love, I'm not really in the mood. We've seen this episode of The Office, you know, 50 times. Do you want to put your hand down my pants and play with me? And because he's spontaneous, responsive, he's going to, or spontaneous desire, he's like, of course. And (laughs) 
he can go to town. And as long as I'm communicating with him and I'm saying like, you know, that kind of feels like you're scratching my knee. Like I literally feel no stimulation there. What that means is arousal hasn't kicked in. So he needs to figure something else out. Well, maybe try this, maybe kiss my neck. If he kisses my neck, that's going to trigger my arousal, which then if he brushes his finger over the same space that was just numb, now it's going to be awake. Mm. Where in the past, I would sit there and just think, weird, my vagina's broken. It's turned off right now because I don't feel anything. Mm. I didn't know that what's really happening is arousal hasn't turned on and arousal lives in our brain, not in our genitals. Mm. Oh, I love that because, okay, I think back and like, the reason I didn't have sex during college is nothing felt good. Yeah. And like, yes, I was under high stress state, but I was like, oh, I can't orgasm. Like, what's the point? I can't orgasm. And I have so many friends who tell me like they can't experience an orgasm or they can't experience, or it doesn't feel good. Or they just like do it for their partner. Like they have no joy in it. And it's like one, I think the communication piece is huge, right? Like a lot of people just lay back and maybe not communicate what their wants are, their desires, or they don't feel they're worthy of communicating what they really want in the bedroom. But then it's like, what if you're just not turned on, right? Like how do people start to shift that? So what, what can they play around? Like, what can they do? Like that, like reaching the hand down the pants or kissing the neck, like what, what ways can they play around to see if like maybe their arousal switch just isn't turned on? Is first knowing arousal is there. You just need to stimulate it. And so also stripping all the judgments of, well, I don't get it. He's doing this. That should work because culture told me so. Movies Mm -hmm. told me so. Books told me so. My one friend who tells me she has squirting orgasms every night, like she told me so. So you start thinking, well, I'm broken and you shut off. And like you said, if sex doesn't feel good, you don't want it. Mm-hmm. If you eat something and it doesn't taste good, you're not going to be like, wow, I really want to eat that again. You're not want it. And so I had talked with um, Stephanie on her Soul Sister Radio podcast about mm-hmm. the way, so I, I see things visually. And so when I started learning, I started seeing this circle repeatedly in my mind. And I was like, oh my God, there's a desire circle of if you're starting here, and you're like, oh, I'm excited or interested. I'm going to move over this way. But once you get there, like halfway through your circle, if the experience isn't good, well, then it's done. You're not going to continue around like I'm going to keep desiring this because it stops there. It didn't feel good. And even if you try again, it's almost worse because it's like, well, crap, I gave it a second chance and like it still didn't work. And what I personally used to do is I'd fake it. I would fake it like in all of the movies and videos and books. And I would think, well, if I act that way, maybe my body will respond. And then I would quickly follow it up with fake it to just get it over with really fast because I'm not enjoying this. Mm. And what I've learned and what I think a lot of women need to learn is you're on your way. You're just cutting yourself short. So here's an analogy. If you're getting in the shower, I used this with a girl like two weeks ago and she was like, oh my God, that makes sense. If you're getting in the shower and you turn the nozzle on and you turn it to the temperature you want it to so that you can take a really nice hot shower and you hop in and it's cold, what are you going to do? 
you're going to hop out and be like, well, that sucked. (laughs) (laughs) So what we need to do is you have to stand by and be patient knowing that the water temperature is getting hotter. You just need to be patient. It's going to get there. And that's the majority of women with their arousal. So it's there. It just, you need to be patient with it. And sometimes it might take a while. For me, sometimes it takes a while. And not just that, it takes a while and I get bored. So if my husband wants to go down on me, that's his favorite thing, not mine. And he's very skilled, but still, it's not my favorite thing. And so he'll do that. So, you know, my hot water is getting warmer, but then it plateaus. So then he knows, switch it up and do something different. Well, Brittany also likes this toy. So let's play with that toy. My water is getting hotter, still not there yet. And it's, I never thought I was a foreplay kind of a girl. I'm a foreplay kind of girl. And I think that's great. Like, at least I know mm-hmm. and with everything else, sex and desire and arousal is not binary. It's not your foreplay or you're not. Sometimes I'm foreplay. Sometimes I'm more like, hey, let's just do this. And I'm ready to go. And things are great. Things change. But again, guys don't know that. Mm-hmm. And they're not taught that. They either think, dude, she's always wet. She's always ready to go. And maybe this girl's like, I mean, I have really highly active lubricant glands in my vagina, but like, I'm not actually in the mood and I'm not actually aroused and I'm not ever reaching an orgasm. Maybe they've never experienced one, but they know that they're wet. So they think, well, maybe I did, or maybe that was, and it's not because again, genital response does not mean anything. I, they kind of have a life and a mind of their own. Um, and, oh, sex. There's just so many layers to it. I was like, oh, my heart just broke for the girl who's never had an orgasm. Like, that was me when I was 20 years old. Um, I had been with my high school sweetheart since we were 14. He cheated on me all the time. And one time that he cheated on me, he told me about this girl um, and how they had had sex at the beach senior year when they went away and I didn't cause I worked and he's like, she squirted everywhere. And I was like, you're an effing idiot. Girls don't squirt. We don't have wieners. I understand some girls do now. So that's great. But already don't, <laughs> and which is also great. And I told him like, I've never had an orgasm. Like I've never done that. My body's never felt like that. And he got in my face and told me I was broken and mm-hmm. I that being cheated on hurts, but like then being told by your cheater, (laughs) you're broken. I went to Barnes and Noble and I found a book called how to have an orgasm anytime you want. And I'm reading it thinking, well, I'm going to try these things, all these different, um, toys or thoughts or whatever. And it never worked. In fact, my first orgasm was with my husband, the first time we ever had sex. And it was, spontaneous and we had just met like we'd been dating for a week and I had an orgasm and I when we were done laid in bed laughing and crying at the same time like a crazy person oh my gosh he just kind of looked at me and he's like are you okay and I was like oh my body's just kind of in shock I'm not (laughs) like that was amazing like I think I just traveled to space and, and it was amazing so we've had this really great conversation about sex from day one because I was able to have this experience with him and be like 
well, why with you, but never with myself, never with my ex-boyfriend or this, you know, other guy, like what is, again, what is wrong with me? Because I was told something was wrong with me. And it's just amazing that when you take all of the expectations off and you start looking at it as this isn't an end goal, there's no one way to do it. There's no one way to respond. And you just allow your body to do what it wants while being honest. Like if he's doing something, I speak up and say, Hey love, that actually doesn't feel good right now. He's not going to look at me and get mad and say, well, it felt good last night. Mm-hmm. Things change. Mm-hmm. They absolutely change. Your your tastes change, your desires for sweets change. You might want sugary sweets one night and then salty sweets the next night. Sex is the exact same. It's not binary. It's always changing, which is why I think it's a lot of bullshit when people say, my spark died. I've been with him too long or I've been with her too long. We know each other. Mm-hmm. Or they think that monogamy is not a thing because you know your desire is going to go away. It's not going to go away. It's constantly changing. Because that person is constantly changing. It's not binary. I love that. So we're ever evolving. Yep. Ever changing. Yep. So your sex life, your wants, your desires, your arousal cues, they're always changing. Like I know the vast majority of the time, I'm a little bit more on the naughty side, (laughs) which is really funny when people meet me because I come across as this very um, intelligent, sweet I'm usually dressed very like high necked, lacy boots, girly heels. And then I'm like, oh God, no. I mean, naughty words. I tell them to spank things on me that shouldn't be spanked. But <laughs> I, I, but I have that freedom with him. But yeah. does that mean every single time I'm like, hey, babe, remember that one thing I asked you to do last night? Like, I might want a more intimate, quiet, slow pace. Like, again, it's always changing. Mm-hmm. And if a guy knows that, he gets to change and be curious with you, which makes everything fun. I love that because I, I've experienced that where I'm like, oh, I really like something. And then the partner continues to do it. And I find myself not liking it a couple yes. weeks later. And I'm like, okay, now I feel shame and guilt because you're not, you know, like you, you do have to continue communicating and, and sharing and growing. And I love that looking at things with curiosity because it takes away the judgment, right? Like you can judge something, but then we're stuck with it. And when we just get curious, it takes away any, any kind of judgment we have there. So I love that. Um, one last question that I always close out with is how does Brittany raise her vibration on the daily. So how do you, you know, whether it's actually or just in your life, like how do you start to raise your vibration? Um, I have certain rituals. Um, I Palo Santo, our home constantly, mm-hmm. I always have. I have precious stones everywhere that I charge in my window for the moon. Um, I, there's so many different ways, but I'd say like the number one way is I am constantly mindful of the feminine divine inside me, like my mm-hmm. sacred feminine. And it's just a habit. I am constantly thinking, visualizing, connected to. If I'm brushing my teeth and my body is like, I want to kind of move while I'm brushing my teeth, I do. And I know that what that is, is I'm just giving my soul what it needs in that moment. Mm. <laughs> it's, 
it's been the best thing where it also shows me days that I'm not doing the weird things like that. I know I'm a little bit more detached. And so I have to be even more mindful. So if I'm driving and the sun's out and I want it on my skin and I'm thinking more like white energy and love pouring into me to fill me back up. And then it just, it's my way of staying connected daily. Love that. Love that so much. Mm. Just like the mindfulness you use in each day. I, I, I adore that. Um, so where can people find you if they're, you know, whether they're looking to work with someone on their own sexuality or just learn a little bit more about what you do, what's the best place to reach you? Um, I would say my, I have a website, so it's www.brittnoel.com, just B-R-I-T-T-N-O-E-L.com. And my email is on there. And so people can hop there. Um, read some of my blogs about just life or sexuality or femininity and they can email me or they can always follow me on Instagram at what is it Brit Noel underscore my life and we will link all of that in the show notes so if you're curious or if you've been struggling with some of your own sexuality things that you really are looking to work through I recommend reaching out to Brit and we will have that in the show notes. So thank you so much for being with us and sharing all of your wisdom and your knowledge. It was absolutely wonderful. It's my joy. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. Yay. I'm so excited. Thank and you so, so much. Of course. I just, I love when people reach out to me and ask me these questions. And I think the neatest, like the, the confirmation I've received was some of the people in our church that we've looked at and we know that I mean there there are elders they're also really great parent figures to my husband and I because we respect and love these people but I've always been like I can't post things like this on Instagram because they'll see it and then they'll think that we're falling away from the church or they'll think that I don't know we're having a hard time maybe we have an open marriage maybe I'm a witch now like whatever it is and their daughter who She's a year older than me. I've known her all through high school. I've always looked up to her. Um, she reached out to me and she was like, hey, you post all these things and I feel like you're talking to me. I need help. And I started working with her and I was just like, this is amazing. And I told her like, I have to be really honest. I've been afraid that your mom was going to see something and then reach out to us and kind of be like, hey, you guys need to come to church. We need to have a sit down talk. And she was like, no, I tell my mom all the time the things you're posting and she thinks it's amazing. And I was like, yes. Yeah. And then I had one other girl who's very, I've said things and she's been like, oh, well, I'm just a little bit more conservative than that. And I just, I take it as this isn't um, an insult to me, but she came to me two weeks ago and she was like, I really need help with my marriage and sex right now. They just had a baby mm -hmm. and all of this is coming up. And she's like, I don't know who else to talk to. And everything you say just makes sense. And I was like, let's get it on the books. Like, let's talk about this. I'm here in a very safe, non-judgmental way mm -hmm. um, to just make sure that people are as connected to themselves as possible. So it is easier and more, it's that raising the vibration of love mm -hmm. and being able share it with your husband and share it with your children. But like, it starts with you. Yes. And I, I, awesome. 
I don't think people realize too when they're disconnected. Like that's how I was like, I was like, well, maybe this is just how it is. And if there's no one talking about it, then how will we ever know? Right? Like how will we ever know this isn't normal and we don't have to live like this if no one's talking about it. So sex is painful and so many women don't say anything and they just think, Oh, it's sex is supposed to be painful. There's ways to fix it. And there's, really great therapists like there's vaginismus when your muscles are too tight so sex hurts it shouldn't hurt you can get mm. that released and healed and then enjoy sex oh tell me more about that <laughs> the releasing yeah um there because, is that you um not in like a nothing until like the past six months it's been like and i'm going to see a chiropractor who said he he'll it'll probably like help with all of that too but I was like I have so much pain and I've never had pain before and you shouldn't have pain so yeah it's something and vaginismus can be a a side effect to stress it can be a side Mm -hmm. effect to like you know there's a lot going on and it's it's almost like a charlie horse but in your vagina Mm. that has a hard time releasing and that's literally how, like, I, I was, like, trying to describe it to my last partner. I was, like, it just feels like, like, muscles are twisted in there, and it's, like, yeah. tight. Like, I, like, and I've done, like, the internal massages and trying to release it, but I was, like, it still kept coming back. And, yeah, just, mm, I'm going to so go Google. It could just be deeper. So if you've already practiced and worked with the internal massages, lots of lube. Um, read up about how to release vaginismus. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of getting a thumb up and being deep enough into the tissue that you're kind of breaking, you know, fascia. Mm-hmm. So get into like the fascia of mm. to release it there instead of just thinking like, well, I'm just lightly massaging, but like you're thinking a very sensitive, deep tissue. Mm. Um and so there's amazing things you can look up online. If you go to a find, because I don't know where you live, but there's physical therapists that specialize in like your girly area. So like a gynecologist awesome. with physical therapy. Oh my gosh. Awesome. But it's something that can be treated and, yeah. really, and then they can teach you like, Hey, this is an exercise for you to do. And then you can even invite your boyfriend and be like, Hey, this is an exercise you can do. Like, <laughs> let's do this together. Yeah, let's play doctor and like, yeah. make it fun. But healing that, like, mm-hmm. you don't need to live with vaginismus. And if it stays there, the longer you have it, the tighter it gets, the harder it is to release it and get rid of it. Yeah. Don't live with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I wasn't planning on it. I was just like, it just like came on so suddenly. Yeah. So I'm working yeah. on it. I think the chiropractor has helped a little bit, but then. Yeah pairing in some of the other stuff with it. Do you do like chakra healing and meditation ever? Um, I go to Reiki regularly. Okay. And so I had a sexual trauma in college that just resurfaced that I kind of forgot about. And so I think it was like all coming out right around the same time um, or like had suppressed it until a couple months ago. And so I think like the pain onset came around the time I was getting my Reiki and it was like when they were doing, oh my God, I didn't even think about this. When they did the Reiki, that's where like all the pain and the energy always was. Like it was always like super painful there. So I think like I'm working through releasing it right now. Yeah. And my chiropractor is helping because he does like 
that's that's why the sexual trauma came up is he's like doing neurofeedback that retrains the subconscious so it like popped back into my head one day and so I think it's all tied together it's just like getting to the root of what's really going on um if you when you're in Reiki if they're focusing on the sacral chakra and also your root chakra that's where all that trauma and your healing is because that's your sacred space Mm. um also there are jade eggs and jade eggs are do you have a jade egg I've had one in my Amazon cart, but I feel like I need to get one from like a place because all the stones I've gotten off Amazon, I hate. So I don't know. So I got my, I, I buy all of my stones here in Portland because Portland's plenty woo woo, but my jade egg I got off Amazon and it is a genuine like Canadian, whatever jade egg. And okay. I love it. It came in its own little bag. So when I'm done, I'll clean it. I put it in the bag so it doesn't get dirty. Um, I had a jade egg and I kind of sat with it because I wanted to ask my body permission. Like, can I put this in you? Because seriously, I was such a horny kid. I put a toothbrush container up there when I was little. I tried to put a frozen hot dog up there when I was little. (laughs) My whole life I've been like, what can I put up there? I was like, I want to heal and I want to ask myself permission. Like, can I put this in me? And I felt shut down. Like, Oh, uh -uh, I'm not going to. And I set it to the side and I had it for eight months before finally one day, I just felt like today's the day to put my jade egg in. And I held it in my hands and I warmed it and I put it in and like, I left it in while I did some like house stuff. It kept kind of coming out. So I was like, get back up there. Um, which was great because it retrained my muscles. So like mm. I don't pee when I sneeze or jump anymore, but Jade in general, it's such a detoxifying, like it draws all of the the negative energy in mm-hmm. and then it can release through the jade egg. So it's when you're putting it into your actual, like your sacred space, it will draw and absorb a lot of that trauma that you're healing. And so if you just sit with it, you kind of have your hands over your yoni space and you can just meditate on healing your sacral and he- healing your root chakra with a jade egg. And it's kind of like, soul level meets physical level and it can heal everything. Mm, I love that. Again, can help release the vaginismus. Mm. So thank you. I'm sorry about your trauma. No, it's okay. It like, it needed to come up, you know, and it was time to process. Yeah. And I have like, no, like I have no like anger or hate or shame or anything around it it was just that it was there and I didn't it was just sitting inside right like forgot about it didn't really recognize it as a trauma when it happened because some others so it was just like okay like I need to go through this and heal it and it's been it's been good to come back up so good for you that's amazing and beautiful so yay thank you